This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rutgers Rant. Politi here. Fonseca Lanny is always with me. Fonseca's in Minneapolis for the Big Ten Basketball Media Days at his hotel room at the Westin. So we'll talk to him about some hoopage, do some questions later on, all sorts of topics we've got here. I guess we should start football, though, right? Coming off a loss to Wisconsin. 24 13 one of these games that could have been could have been should have been i don't know about should have been but certainly could have been different for the scarlet knights uh had a chance obviously 10 nothing down driving for a touchdown that would have made it a fascinating game pick six devastation that was the end of it one play changed that entire game it's not really complicated you know we asked the question last week is this team ready to take the next step the answer was clearly no, at least offensively, Brian. That, that's kind of that's the one thing that stands out from that day. Before I get into that, I want credit. I finally have lights in my recording studio. You trashed me in front of the entire Rutgers rant audience last time. I want everyone to see this lovely light from the but, outside. But you're at from- but you're at a Westin hotel, though. I mean, come on, that's not that's not your room. I traveled outside of the state. I traveled hundreds of miles from home just to have light for you, and you're over here complaining. I see how it is. It's okay. It looks nice. It looks lovely. It's just, yeah, beautiful, beautiful first-class hotel. I'm glad you're staying at a Marriott property. I taught you well. That's good. Yes, I waited long enough for this room, and I'm glad you told everyone exactly where I'm staying so that tomorrow when I come back to my hotel room, mm-hmm. some obsessed Rutgers Rant fan is going to be waiting for me in the lobby. Anyway. Let's hope so. Yes, the the fear that Rutgers fans had coming into this game came true in that the offense is a paper tire it was good enough to beat bad teams. It was good enough to run over Virginia Tech and Temple and Northwestern and Wagner. It's not good enough against Michigan. It's not good enough against Wisconsin. And the real shame is of it is the defense is good enough. The defense showed it was good enough. The defense played its rear end off in the first half and kept Rutgers in the game. And look, to Rutgers' offensive credit, they were horrible. They punted, I think, four times in their first four drives. They had five three-and-outs in their first eight, whatever it was. They were four yards away from 
making a one-score game at halftime and getting the ball back, which is what makes the interception just so gutting because the game completely flipped on its head. It was a play that they ran twice before to success. I guess they, you know, the third third time was the charm or whatever the opposite of that is. Wisconsin was clearly scouting that. They were clearly looking for that. They jumped on it, and yeah, the game was over. The game was over there. They had to play the second half. I guess you could have convinced yourself there was a comeback chance, but the game was over there. Obviously, the next two weeks are crucial. Those two opponents are more of the Virginia Tech, Northwestern, Temple variety. I'm not convinced this team could beat an Iowa or a Maryland after watching what I watched on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, Pat, do you agree with that? I don't know if you watched any of the Iowa game, but they didn't even complete a pass to a wide receiver. So if you want to talk about how bad the Rutgers offense is, I mean, <laughs> there, there's a next there's a next level to how bad they can get out there, right? Yeah. It's I'm true. Not, I'm not going to say anything about that one yet, but uh, I was not completely blown away with Wisconsin either. I thought really Rutgers measured up pretty well against Wisconsin. Just like Shiano said, they didn't capitalize in the big moments, the back-breaking interception doomed them but the defense was was just as good if not better than wisconsin's and like we said the offense just wasn't at the level that it needed to be to win pretty pretty simple not yeah. much that yeah Re-ash. it 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 is yeah and then i think after the game you saw uh the players and, and greg shannon kind of running interference for their quarterback and making sure he didn't take the blame for this one but you know they're gonna need more from him and i think that that's that's the big thing he didn't have a great game he didn't he made the one bad throw um, they're just going to need more from the passing game. And I guess this is the time you're going to see it, right? You're going against Michigan State's decent on defense. Not bad. I, I forget exactly where they're ranked in the forties, I guess, nationally. Indiana's bad. So this, this is an opportunity. Again, you're playing two teams back to back. One of them's at home. Orleans gets a bad defense. This offense has got to be better than it was there. I mean, you know, and, and they didn't, it, again, it's not, and it's not just Gavin Wimsett. They didn't run the ball. Didn't, I mean, didn't do anything at all in the running game other than, of course, Gavin Wimsett. So give him credit for that. But none of the backs that, uh, that got any separate, you know, any, any holes in the offensive line. It was just all around. The offense was not good enough. And I think that's a problem still. That's, that's where this program's at right now. I'm glad you brought that up. It's not entirely on Gavin. He's going to have to play above and beyond himself to win a game like Wisconsin, especially when they're getting 2.3 yards per carry from their running backs, which I'm not entirely sure why they only went with Kyle Manungai and Ja'Shawn Benjamin in the first half. That has to mean that Sam Brown is nowhere near healthy enough to play, which at that point, I'm wondering why they're playing him in the first place. Give him four snaps in the fourth quarter. I, I don't know. I, I just don't understand the point of that. I'm going to take issue with that. Is he not healthy or is he just not effective? I mean, we've seen him in a couple, we've seen him in a few games. We've, we've talked about this. I mean, even against Wagner, he didn't show that same pop we saw against Indiana. It's just a matter that they're playing the best, the best running backs. I think so. And it's just unfortunate that he hasn't been the same player since the injury. I mean, it was a really significant injury. Greg talked about the surgery today and how extensive that was on his foot. He just hasn't come back full strength. And you're seeing that. And until he starts showing it in practice, he's not going to climb that depth chart. Right now, Sam Brown's just buried on the depth chart, I'm convinced. And and Greg kind of addressed it today in his press conference. I just can't buy that. If, if he is this much worse than he was last year because of the injury, that's very concerning. I think the optimistic point of view is that he's just not in game shape. Greg Schiano said he missed the spring and he missed training camp. He really values practice. I think that's what you would hope it is because if, if it's because of the injury, will we ever see Sam Brown back to what he was last year? Was last year an anomaly? I am confounded by the Sam Brown situation. Um, and by the looks of it, for the rest of the running back room, 
and the looks of the offensive line, which was better, but really didn't get any push against Wisconsin. If they don't get the Sam Brand of old, I, I'm not seeing where this running rushing attack is going to get any sort of yardage against teams that aren't Indiana, who's god awful, and you know maybe Michigan State. I just and I think that's an issue, obviously, because I don't think Gavin is ready to play above and beyond, and he's not getting much help from his wide receivers or his tight end. We can talk about that later. All right. So yeah, I mean, just a, a lot of a lot of obvious issues with that, and and I was thinking about this too. And Greg Shannon made it. You know, we're not there yet. Was his quote, and and uh, he made a point of coming out and, and and saying that early. He told the team that. I get it. It's not what fans want to hear, but I got to come back to the the one big picture thing is that they. I remember I've said it a million times. Like I, I told the, the message from Chris Ash to Chris Ash, don't just just lose normal. You know, suck normal. Right. And this is, this is okay. So they lost the game. This is a 24 13 game again. No, ah, you still lost. You're going to beat in Wisconsin. I get it. It is still closer. And it, they looked, they could have won the game. I guess last, what was it? 2021 it was 52 to three. All right. Wisconsin maybe took a step back too, but they're, they're getting a little close. I guess that's one thing you got to, you got to think about. Didn't get blown up by Michigan either. I get it. No one wants to be celebrating 10 point losses at all. I totally understand that. I will say that there were some things and it's happening defensively. I mean, I thought the defense opportunistic, every player in that secondary made a big play. They didn't get the Tanner Mordecai, but they, they were, I pressured him the entire game, which is something that you'd never, you've never seen a, a quarterback in a, a, out there and they play team like Wisconsin on the run as much as, as as he was. So some positives, Pat? I don't know. I look at it this way. If Rutgers was in the Big Ten West, they would have proven that they could have been a Big Ten West title contender this year. That's not <laughs> In the last year of the Big Ten West, right, right. planting their flag. <laughs> sure. But that just shows you how far Rutgers actually has come, that it's just as good, if not better, than Iowa Illinois, Purdue, all these teams, like Rutgers really is firmly supplanted itself, in my opinion, at least in the middle of the Big Ten at this point. That's legitimate progress. You have to get you have to get the middle before you can get to the top. Yeah, I am absolutely. They're one of the I don't know, eight, nine, ten, right? Brian, you buying this? I'm gonna play devil's advocate. I okay understand I understand where you're coming from. I get it. They suck normal. That's good. That is progress, but at some point. They have to beat somebody. There are teams that suck normal that beat good teams. Purdue sucked normal when they beat Ohio State years ago. Like that's just the first example that came to mind. I I looked this stat up three times because I could not believe that I did the math right. Rutgers has never beaten a team in the Big Ten that finished the year with a winning conference record. They are 0-39 against Big Ten teams really? with winning conference records. That's that I'm not even asking them to beat a Michigan, an Ohio State, a title contender. I'm asking them to beat a competent Big Ten team. And I get your point, Pat. They looked roughly the same level as Wisconsin. I don't think they looked mismatched at all. They've never beaten Wisconsin. They've never beaten Iowa. They've never beaten Minnesota. They've never beaten any of these teams that are that make the Big Ten West so mediocre. I just I I understand that there is value in giving them credit for the leaps and bounds they've made forward. But you got to consider how bad they were, like what team we're comparing them to. The worst team in Power 5 football. Being better than that is should be a given. I think maybe I'm being a bit harsh. I'm just saying they got to beat somebody at some point. If it doesn't happen this year, they really need to beat somebody next year because I, I just don't know how you can keep thinking, oh, they're close, oh, they're close, oh, they're close. Fine, they're close. At some point, you got to break through. 
man, someone's agitated for not getting his room on time. That that's that's what I that's what I hear in that rant right there. This is like to blame the Weston. Don't blame Fonse. I'm making excuses for Fonse. Blame blame the Weston at the front desk for this. Ooh. Just go back to our preseason conversations about what this team was going to be. So far ahead of where that was. I don't know, but so far ahead. Ahead. It is ahead. Oh, they're right. I should say that. They're right where I thought they'd be. I thought they'd be four and two. They're four and two. So not not so far ahead. Four and two with two wins on the table right here to get to six and Well, they've got to they've got to do it. They've got to do it. Right. They've got to do it. And that's the big thing. They've got to do that. I'll give them credit. Again, we thought for Rutgers to make a bowl game. Everything had to go right. So far, everything has went right. If you imagine the best case scenario, it has happened. I'm going to assume they're going to beat Michigan State and Indiana, right? Because if they don't, then we're having a completely different conversation. Assuming they beat those two teams, the se- the season is a success. I don't think anybody will disagree with that. I'm just saying, when you have an opportunity to beat a big, iconic program on the road, your defense is playing lights out. I just think that you know, the calculus, sorry to use that word. I'm, I, I know Greg doesn't listen to the show, but if he hears that, he might get upset again. But it changes a bit of the calculus. I just think it's an opportunity and another one that they just did not take advantage of. I totally hear you. I understand what you're saying completely, and you're not wrong. Put it that way. It, it's possible to see progress and also to feel like, well, come on, you know, Clem, Duke, Duke beat Clemson. I, I get it totally. You're absolutely, every year, every week, there's an upset where you're like, when is Rutgers going to have that one? Agreed. All right, let's dive into true or false here. Got a few topics for you. Should be good. Here we go. True or false? Evan Simon looked pretty good. It's time to give him more snaps in game situations. Pat, true or false? Da dun da dun da dun. False. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a trap. It's a trap. Brian, true or false? False. Yes. Completely false. false. Very false. Absolutely. Don't come out with don't come at us with this one. We're not freeing anybody. No free Simon here. Agreed. False. Okay. True or false. Rutgers plays three teams in a row coming off buys. That's unfair. Does Rutgers have a beef, a new beef with the Big Ten? Pat, is that true, true or false? True. That is okay. That is that is legit beef. Brian? Absolutely true, and I know they are aware of these numbers, and I know that when the original 24 schedule came out, they were also aware that they were playing the Big Ten East minus Indiana again, Uh, so I think the Big Ten did the right thing in easing up the 2024 schedule, or else Greg Schiano and company might be raiding the Big Ten offices, so yes, true. Just wait till just wait till it's true, but just wait till Southern Cal Washington are coming off are coming off buys next year. It's gonna be oh boy, it's gonna be great. Definitely true. It's it's not it, it's it's a small thing, but it's 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 absolutely not fair. True or false? Rutgers minus three and a half against Michigan State feels light. Should Rutgers be favored by more in that game, Pat? True or false? True. True. Okay, Brian. True, the, and the Vegas will agree with us because the number is already shot up to five or six, I think. Has it already? I didn't see that. Wow. Okay. Huh. Interesting. All right. I thought three and a half was about right. So I'm going to say false. So perhaps Vegas is with Vegas is with you guys, and Vegas is no longer is never wrong. So good one. All right. True or false? Special teams are the worst they've been during Shiano 2.0. Pat, signature of Greg Shiano's teams. Are they bad? True or false? They're not great. True. Brian? 
true by automatically because they don't have the greatest punter in program history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But right. yes, there, there's, I don't think they've been bad, but they have not been good. They have not been good. Definitely true. They don't do, I mean, the return game is non-existence. Just catch the ball in the return game. It's a me every time the ball's near, like just catch the ball. I felt that way sometimes during Chris Ash and it's the, and the punting. All right. The punting's okay, but you're right. Impossible to replace. And we're banging extra points of uprights. So that's a hundred percent true. True or false? Tenth for Steve Peichel's team and a preseason poll is way too low. Pat, is that way too low? True or false? True. They deserve wow. more respect. Okay. Brian? I voted them 10th, so false. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess that would be false. Uh, I don't know if, like, I don't think it's way too low. I would have got eighth, maybe, so that's not, you know, I, I certainly wasn't going to put them in, you know. Fifth or sixth. So, yeah, it's about right for me. All right. True or false? Dylan Harper is coming to homecoming. He will commit on his visit. Woo! Pat, true or false? You know what? Why not say true? <laughs> be wrong. Uh, Brian, true or false? I thought we I had to really... uh, read the conversation going. So, I'll take the dagger on this one. I'll right, take that's the, fine. Okay. That's fair. I, I think it would be like a storybook thing, but. It feels mm-hmm. like everything you think is going to happen in the Dylan Harper recruitment doesn't. So the very Dylan Harper thing to do would be not to commit, not talk about recruiting for four months, and then have a ceremony yeah. after a season. So I will say false. Yeah, I think it's I think it's false too. Although we'll talk about it in a minute. They've got they've got quite a show for him. Uh, and finally, true or false, it is perfectly safe to watch a game from the sidelines. What could possibly go wrong, Pat? True or false? I'm just glad I've already had a daughter at this point. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Every reporter's worst nightmare can go wrong. Yeah. Uh-huh. False. Brian, I know you know the answer. False. False. Yeah. Yeah. Start here because this is obviously the important takeaway, the thing that was consuming us for most of the night after the uh, Wisconsin game. On the sideline, Gavin Williams had bounces a pass. And it takes just, I mean, it's a bullet too. The kid throws the ball 60 miles per hour and it just, it bounces and goes right into uh, the nether region, regions of a photographer caught on, uh, on the uh, peacock. <laughs> peacock. <laughs> I'll leave it in. That's the kind of podcast. Chris, but Chris Paladino told me that it would be okay to ease the sponsor, the Devco. He said it'd be okay to curse in the podcast. So a little uh, little toilet humor, why not? Anyway, caught on Peacock, the man crumbled to the ground. If you're looking closely right next to him, his Rutgers athletic director, Pat Hobbs, who senses the medical emergency, not <laughs> sure what to do. I'm not sure any of us would know what to do in that situation. Just a bad scene all around. So if you thought you had a bad day, just know there was someone in Camp Randall Stadium, who had a worse, much worse day than you did. And you talked to him, Brian. You talked to the poor guy. I did. I did some intrepid reporting, and you guys were laughing at me while I did it, but I did do it. Um, the kid's name is <laughs> Ethan Bacon. not the right word. <laughs> Ethan well, Bacon, that's right. kid's name is Ethan Bacon, and you had a great tweet that Bacon's eggs were not cracked, uh, which made us laugh yep. in the car. And he said it hurt for 40 minutes. I mean, that's brutal, man. I feel I feel bad for everybody involved. I'm glad he's okay. All right, Dylan Harper coming. Now this is a big weekend. It's not just the homecoming game. 
it's a big event, a basketball event, a NIL fundraising event. I mean, what can you tell me about this? This is interesting about Dylan Harper. He's been to campus like a hundred times. You can't show him something he hasn't seen. So it's kind of fascinating. Yeah, it's a very interesting weekend. Uh, Dylan is going to be in Las Vegas on until Friday afternoon with Ace Bailey. They're going to be in this camp, the Wooten 150 camp, and they're both going to take official visits to Rutgers this weekend. So they're going to take, I'm assuming, the same flight over to New Jersey. And I believe they will be at the Night Fest. You're referencing um, it is a March Madness type deal that Geo Baker's collective is organizing. And my understanding is that the large contingent of recruits Rutgers basketball is hosting will be there. The uh, four, the three commits from 2024, Dylan Grant is not coming, but Ace Bailey, Lathan Somerville, Bryce Dorch are, as well as Dylan Harper, as well as five-star 2025 guard Trey McKinney. So, uh, and perhaps maybe even other guys. I, I don't know that for a fact. I'm just saying when you're having the entire farm come, why not bring more people if you can? It's going to be a lot of people in the barn. I think it'll probably sell out. Uh, it'll be a good atmosphere, and I think it'll generate some excitement and uh, show that there is, you know, I think if you're Steve Peichel, you can point to that and say, these fans are all showing up to watch this. This is all going to NIL. There are NIL opportunities at Rutgers, et cetera. Good selling point. And I think, who knows, maybe he gets swept up in the emotions of the whole deal, and Dylan Harper decides this is the day to do it. This is a good NIL event. This is a, You're taking both the Knights of the Raritan, you're taking Judo Baker's thing, you've got everyone involved in NIL, a, a reason I mean, even if you don't you don't care about the NIL part of it, there's a reason you want to see the team and you want to be you want to fill that place for Dylan Harper. So if this thing doesn't sell out, I'd be very surprised to gobsmacked if it's not. Yeah, and it's just a good idea, big event, homecoming weekend, no less. So there'll be people from out of town who might want to go to it. Um, yeah, just a well-timed, smart idea. Do you get anything you say about it? I'm just interested again. Like this, this is a hard you have come this far with Dylan Harper. You've recruited them for since the kid, it's probably been, uh, I can't even imagine how long since Steve Buckle's been here, certainly. Um, and just, you know, to get him on campus and have the official visit, it's it's still a, a, still a big deal. Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Nights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. All right. Let's do some questions uh, from our insiders. Thanks for everybody. First, of course, we should mention right off the top. Thanks for everyone who came to our live. We haven't talked about it yet. Our live pod at the Blackthorn with nice like 50 or 60 folks there. A lot of uh, a lot of familiar people who write to us every week. I hope you had enjoyed it as much as we did. We had a blast. <laughs> a lot of good laughs, a lot of good conversation before and after, a lot of good Q&A. And I love the the back and forth, right, guys, with, with when they're actually in front of you with the microphone asking asking questions. Much better than this. Yeah, it was great to, to put a face to the names that we get every week. CJ from Basking Ridge, finally got to meet him. 
right? JP, the wrestling guy, asked a wrestling question. It was fascinating, and uh, we really loved it, and we're really looking forward to the next one. So thanks again from all of us. And your mom. I didn't realize until afterward that your mom my mom did the question. shout out to uh, all sorts of Frank Pepsarone, a friend of the pod, and a 1976 football team. Back-to-back weeks, we've had an important woman in Pat Lanny's life. If we can get Juliet on the pod <laughs> yeah. this week just to go goo-goo-gaga, it would be great. That would be, be, be a big help. So, And that was the one thing, if you missed it, all the people asking for, for Candace Lanny at this thing was just was just wonderful. I, I appreciate all of you for, for making him feel, making Pat feel even less significant <laughs> which is great yeah no i i like i tell a lot of people candace is, is so successful in a lot of things that uh i'm fine uh you know take a second taking second to her but as long as i can still play guitar better than her i can Ooh. be more knowledgeable uh on the ruckers rants which is questionable at this point and third thing i guess i know a little bit more about cars than she does that's it that, that's all i got left yeah, so you got okay well it's a good list something all right here are the questions I'm a better dancer. Better dancer? dancer? No, I'm not not buying that one, but we'll see. Fonz got to see that uh, in Madison. Fonz, you're buying that? When did he dance in Madison? What? Steve, he had a ball in Madison. Yeah, yeah. Really? It was was a good one. I missed that. We had a ball with some subscribers, and they all missed you very much. No, I've been fun. Sounds fun. Sounds like a great time. Great life, man. They drove all the way to Madison from Chicago. It was great. It was a great time. Good. They're rocking. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Question number one. How is Gavin? What about the Wimsett injury? We want to put him back in the game. We had four different people ask about that. I I don't know. Was he a, 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 any concern about him? I mean, he went back into the game. I, I don't some people someone said they thought it was a concussion. I didn't, we get no indication it was a concussion. What what's the latest, Pat? You were there today. Yeah, no, he was obviously cleared to come back in, went through all the all the protocols after that hit and was fine. We asked him after the game how he was feeling, and he said he was fine then, and I think Brian asked the follow-up, was it scary taking a hit like that? And he kind of just said that it was part of playing football, and uh, by all accounts, he's he's fine, and, and it didn't come up today in the press conference, so all indications are that Gavin's good to go, and it was a scary moment, maybe from the outside, but not so much from through his eyes. A lot more questions about the offense's struggles. Uh, Brian K., what is going on with the run game? Is it O-line, backs? What is the tape saying? I think a part of it is the passing game. <laughs> it could be, you know, I think that that teams like Wisconsin know that they can, they have good defensive backs. They can cover Rutgers as receivers and put seven, eight guys in the box. And I don't know if that was the case here. You watched the tape. Brian, what do you think? I didn't chart it, but that would sound right to me. The offensive line didn't help much. Uh, the stat I saw was that uh, of the their 67 rushing yards on non-sack carries, 60 of them came after contact. So these guys are getting hit almost immediately as, as soon as they hit the line of scrimmage. There's no holes opened up. There's no real space to work with. And when you don't have that, obviously, it's difficult. And, and game flow is also often right. right? They couldn't establish the run on first and second down, and they kind of abandoned it in the second half. They only had 12 right. rushes from the running backs, too, which is that's not what Chiraca's offense is at all. Not nearly enough. Not nearly enough. Totally right. Another Point on this one. This is year four for Greg, and they still don't have an offense representative of the Big Ten. Um, looking around the country with the transfer portal and Colorado's offensive tor- turnaround overnight, seemingly every team lining up a scoreboard on a weekly basis makes me think that this is a worse coaching job than we're all led to believe. Um, well, I mean, if 
Greg's son was uh, as good as Dion's son or Coach Prime's son that, as a quarterback. That could be that could be something. Should have done that. That would have been a quick turnaround. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I don't. What do you what do you make of that? Is is this uh, is this a situation where they should have gotten better quicker? Greg Schiano was Deion Sanders and an icon to every kid growing up playing football. Maybe he'd be easier to recruit, you know, this high-level talent. I do agree, though, that there is not enough talent offensively. We've talked about tight end ad nauseum. Johnny Langan got that one 30-yard reception and then just had one other four-yarder on a third down that really didn't do much. Sean Bowman played seven snaps, so tight end is a complete non-factor. They play four wide receivers pretty much, and maybe their most talented one is the one that plays least in Ian Strong. Um, Isaiah Washington and Christian Dremel play like three quarters of every snap. And look, Christian Dremel's had a great season. You don't want him to be your number one slot receiver with really no competition. They really got hurt with Chris Long missing most games after the season opener. That's been a big issue. And it seemed Brantley, obviously, in NCAA purgatory. Those two guys were going to play a big part. I get that. But they have real, really no depth behind the three guys they have. When you don't have wide receivers that can create separation, you don't have tight ends that can catch mm-hmm. balls over the middle. You don't have your best running back around, you know, like you don't have an offense, offensive line that could push and you don't have a quarterback who could pass the ball further than 10 yards. It's really, really hard to have an offense. Yeah. And you got to remember too, that like everyone looking for, they did go into the portal, right? Their best receiver is the portal guy. It's just hard. Rutgers is never going to be that. Right. They're not going to they're going to use the portal, but they're never going to be a program that over, to, turns over the roster. It's not their identity. They're develop, developmental. They're going to have to recruit and, and get guys in the quote unquote pipeline, Pat. Right. Yeah. They fill through the portal. They like highlight wherever they're inefficient. They try to supplement through the portal, which is what you saw with wide receiver. They knew they were going to be a little short. They brought in Jaquay Jackson and the scene Brantley to plug that hole in the tight end. They brought in Bowman. So to bolster that position, they they will bolster through the portal, but they're not going to flip over an entire roster like Dion did and, you know, tell 60 kids that your your time here at Colorado has come to an end. Like that is not who Greg Shiano is. I don't know that. I don't argue that. I'm not sure you want that to be what's going. I mean, I get it. It's a great story, but it wasn't a great story for those 60 players who committed to the school. It's 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 yeah, that's that's rough. To be fair, this is Division One football. It's not a charity case, right? Like these kids don't have the God-given right to play Division One football. But they stunk, right? They went one and eleven. Dion was very callous about it, but you know, I mean, maybe be better at football if you want to keep your scholarship. Yes. Right, I understand that, but there was like ways. Like it's going to happen here too. It's going to happen at Rutgers. There's going to be eight guys, ten guys who are going to enter the portal. And you're going to be like, oh, well, that makes sense. And maybe some of them got a little elbow. Hey, you know, uh, you know, you're not getting a lot of playing time here. And they get nudged out. And then they, they put a name in the portal and they end up at Colgate. You know, I, I just it happens everywhere. But 60 players, is a, that's a little different example. That's, that's it's a bit on the extreme side. It's, uh, I mean, that's why it was the biggest. That's why Colorado has been the biggest story in college football from start from start every single week. Right. Like from from this from when it first started, when they brought in Dion to you know the explosive offense whatever cutting 60 kids it is what it is i've had enough of colorado <laughs> i'm done with colorado good column you should write that get some clicks all right uh questions on the defense all i am reading from my friends at nj.com is how great the d6 all i remember is the times they had more to 
Kai trapped for a huge loss and they let him escape for a first down. Am I losing my memory or am I just a glass half empty type guy? No, that's a good point. They only had one sack, I think. Yeah, Mordecai managed to escape. And that was, <laughs> I think that was one of the, if not the key to the game, it was certainly one of the three most important things in the game is that uh, Wisconsin had a pretty crafty quarterback who overcame a lot of problems. And that's been an issue for the Rutgers defensive front. Even going back to last year, they put pressure, but they don't really complete them with sacks. I think they pressured Mordecai 17 times in 36 dropbacks, but they only had two sacks. And then they had 13 hurries. And a lot of those hurries turned into, uh, you know, gains. Big um, runs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what is missing there. I, I mean, they're doing, it's not like the opposing offensive linemen are letting them get pressure on purpose, right? Like they're getting the pressure, but they just aren't able to complete the play for some reason. Um, and it was an issue against Michigan as well. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. They have talented pass rushers. Muhammad Therese playing incredibly. Aaron Lewis is always in the backfield. I just yep. don't see what's missing for them to get to the quarterback. Yeah, I, and I think it might be different. This I'm, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna go on the limb and say it's, there, there'll be some sacks like in these next two weeks. I, I don't think there's any questions about that. One more question on the Jack and Burnersville asks: Why hasn't this great secondary had any ints? They seem to play soft. Um. Yeah, we'll argue that Max Melton had the biggest defensive play. Strips back, recovered on the way to a touchdown. So the secondary had a great, I thought had a great first half certainly against Wisconsin. But yeah, I hear your point about INTs. All right, then we got anything else in here? Let me just look at this. Oh, so so Peter wants to know. Diane, our friend Diane wants to know. At the risk of sounding ridiculous, Diane, you'll never sound ridiculous here. Uh, like in the locker room scene in the movie Steel Magnolias. Who gave the okay on the uniform selection for the game? I found it hard to watch as a fan, trying to figure out which team was which, let alone be a player. The red, white, I get red, white, red. I don't know what she's saying. Anyway, red helmets, white jersey, red pants. I didn't like it either. I don't think anybody really thought it was the greatest, but I think the players pick, right? The players make these decisions. Am I wrong? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I don't know exactly who picks the uniforms on a given week. But maybe, uh, as Diane was saying, don't wear white and red when you're playing a team that's white and re- also wearing white and red. That's what she was trying. That's the point. She it's all confusing. It, at one point, I, I remember it, I sent, I did like a column with uh, Faux Polini. And like, I just like a funny, we were in Nebraska and he agreed to answer some questions. And the first thing he said was that there are already too many teams in the Big Ten that wear red Pick another color like beige was the suggestion. I thought it was really funny. Um, anyway, yeah, too many. You're right, though. I don't like the red helmets. It's the, go go, go with white on the road. So you're right. You're right, Diane. We're with you. And one more here. Uh, as the resident attendance expert, does Fonseca believe any remaining home games will have at least 47,000 plus people scanned at the gate? He's not asking for announced attendance. Joe at the Shore wants to know, will they have 47,000 people scanned at the gate? I'm not trying to be mean. Has Rutgers ever had 47,000 people scanned at the gate? I don't know. Joe, right here, it says you're the attendance expert. You tell us. I don't know. I must have had that many. I am the expert as of no? the 2022 season when I got on the beat. And I am fairly certain that they didn't come anywhere close to 47,000 scan tickets at any of those games. Um, to answer his question, no. What did they have scanned for the Penn State for the Penn State game? No. In 2014? What was the Penn State scan? No, the Penn State scan last year when they set the attendance record. All right. Well, let me get that for you. Uh, uh, 
this is the best part of the live having the live audience we just shout at him like hey, hey what's the scan ticket number and someone in the crowd would have known <laughs> yeah, what is it? Hey, what is it? Uh, some guy calls out a number i just say oh, yeah that sounds about right okay, right, yeah. right right i got it all right you guys want to take a guess i'm gonna say it was like forty-two thousand. yeah i thought it was 46 46 40,247. 40,247 for a game that uh, they said they had <clears throat> said they had 56,000 tickets distributed. So you're probably right. No, they're not going to have 47,000 scanned for either of these games. I will say they would seem to me unless I'm misjudging the fan base a homecoming Michigan State winnable game and then maybe certainly 5 and 3, maybe 6 and 2 Ohio State an opponent that travels you would think that they would have good, really good crowds for both those games, or there's something wrong. Yes. If you go six and two against Ohio State, I would think that is a legitimate forty-five to fifty thousand, right? I so maybe. May I change my answer? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. The scan number. I love that our fans are they know they know about the scan number. It's not they're not they're not gonna take that number, the announced crowd. They want the scanned tickets. So exciting. All right. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. Good ones this week. We did our best. All right. What else we got? We got field hockey history. No Candace Lanny this week to tell us about it, but still another big victory over Michigan. They beat Mammoth too, I saw. Is that right? Still undefeated? Am I making That's that up? And yes. I was curious when I was thinking about this field hockey because when you get the press releases and the write-ups, it's always still off to their best start ever. And I, I'm curious, as a sports writer and someone as accomplished as you, Steve, when does the season start? When when is it no longer a start to a season, or is it just until they lose? Like, when does an undefeated, obviously, an undefeated season becomes an undefeated season season when they finish it? But what about until they get to that point? Like, when does it stop becoming a start to the season? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, because even now they could lose a game; it's to be their best start ever. So, a good point. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. It's time to move on and just start saying that it's the best season that they've probably been ever having, you know. I, I guess it's the I think that's what I'm trying to hit on. Right. When do they play? When does field hockey play the next uh, the next big game here? Is there someone on the schedule coming up, Brian? They're Big Ten rest of the way. I believe they play yeah. Ohio State. Their two biggest games are the last two games of the regular season. They play Iowa and Northwestern. Okay. And those games, mm-hmm. if Rutgers can stay undefeated until then, mm-hmm. will determine the Big Ten title. So Ohio State is next next week in Columbus. They're number seven. And you're right. Number two, Northwest. Number three, Iowa. There you go. Okay. So we might have to have uh, – we might need some Candace Lanny before that stretch. That's for sure. Get her back. Um, there you go. Volleyball. Volleyball. The, the volleyball history. Exclamation point. Someone added that to the notes. They beat – who did they beat? Michigan State? No, Minnesota. Minnesota. That was a huge win. First ranked win in program history. And I looked at the numbers. They had played Minnesota nine times since joining the Big Ten and forfeited one game in 2021 for some reason. I haven't looked up. In those nine games, Rutgers won one set. They got swept eight times and lost 3-1 one time. So they got absolutely dominated by Minnesota for a long time. And now, in front of a nice home crowd at Jersey Mike's Arena, they pulled off history. That's good stuff. That Michigan, they're working miracles there for volleyball. This one, obviously the hardest, I think the hardest program uh, for any Rutgers team in the Big Ten based on 
what I mean, Northwestern, I mean, Nebraska had 80,000 people at a game. So you know that it's big, it's big elsewhere, bigger elsewhere than it is here. So that's a good job by uh, volleyball. All right. Anything else going on? What we got official visit. We talked about that homecoming. We talked about that. Final thoughts. Go out and beat Michigan State. You know, you can't say it enough. The opportunity is right in front of you. You got to go out and get it done. This feels like a huge game. Let me post to you, Pat, the question you posed to Greg Schiano. Is this a must win for Rutgers? It is absolutely. Of course, a head coach can't say it's a must-win game. Someone like Greg Shannon, of course, is never going to say it's a must-win. His answer was, I wake up every day and it's a must-win game. So there's no such thing as a must-win game in his eyes. I totally understand that. It's a great coach speak moment. But you want to go six and six. Here you go. Two freaking perfect opponents to win. Before Halloween, you can be bowl eligible. Yeah, it's a must-win game. At least for this season. It absolutely is. Yeah, totally. Especially where that program's at. Uh, yeah, it's it, they got to have it. Although it is still, there's still talent there. The mass exodus did not happen with Michigan. I would say this Saturday is a must win. And next Saturday against Indiana is a can't lose. We will distinguish those two on Thursday's episode. Wow, that's a good way to end it. You're absolutely 100% right. There's a difference between must win and can't lose. We'll put that down later this week on the Picks Pod. Have our picks. Do the Boomer Zoomer segment. Have some fun. Until then, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.